the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KDOW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. If you have a money question for the show, just shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. December 28th, 6.06 a.m., so it's before the market opens for the day. So those are listening on podcasts, this is, well, the 28th, but it's probably the last podcast for the year. So I'll give you a little market update here. Let's start with that. Where are we ending up for 2022? And again, I've, I've tried to put this in perspective for you in the past, because if you look at, in many cases, a balanced portfolio over the last two years is relatively flat. Over the last three years is up very nicely, but 2021 was a big year up. 2022, big year down. So let's start with the worst first. Tech. Tech got crushed. Why? Well, tech companies tend to have valuations that are, in terms of price-earnings ratio, much higher because it's an issue of how quickly they've been growing revenue, and so they use a they meaning analysts use a discounted cash flow model. And that has to do with interest rates. What is the value of this increasing revenue over time? And when interest rates go up, those values come down. It's an inverse relationship. And so if we look at the QQQ, which is not all tech, but it's a good chunk of it is technology. Down 33.26% for the year. Next in line is the Russell 2000, which is a mid and small cap value. Or I'm sorry, a mid and small company index. So it's it's a blend. It's it's when you look at it, it's a a blend of growth value on the small and mid sized company range. The iShares Russell 2000 ETF IWM down 21 percent for the year. Now, if we split that up though, and we look at the Russell 2000 growth, which is down 27%, versus the Russell 2000 value, which is down only 15%, you can kind of see the divergence. This year, value outperformed growth pretty much across the board. Now, if we look at the S&P 500, we're down 18.39%. Market's pulling back You know, the last couple of weeks. We've been a little bit all over the place. At one point, we were down what almost 25% for the year. Big rally back and then, uh, you know, another pullback here. Emerging markets down only 19.59%, which you'd like, okay, well, it seems like emerging markets were going to 
They do really, really poor versus the S&P 500 because of China, because of Ukraine and things like that. So uh, the valuations overseas, very attractive in terms of a price to earnings ratio. Uh, very attractive if the dollar continues to pull back from here because when you have really attractive valuations overseas, but the U.S. dollar is going up because our interest rates are going up, it, it doesn't matter. People want the U.S. dollar. As the dollar falls, if valuations overseas are attractive like they are now, that's typically sets up for a pretty decent return internationally. And speaking of that... If we look at EFA, which is an ETF that tracks international developed, so larger, more developed countries outside of the U.S., it's down only 13.89%. So we're having a year where international developed to help perform the S&P 500. And then we get to the equal weighted S&P 500. So if we look at the S&P 500, remember, it's 500 of the largest U.S. companies in America, but it's very heavily weighted towards... Uh, it's it's a market cap weighted, so you have like the uh, around you know six percent or so in like Microsoft and Apple and some of the larger companies that are out there, and it's much different than it was even in 2011, where there was more energy companies in the S&P 500. It's become more of a large cap growth oriented index. If you look at the Invesco S&P 500 Equal Weight ETF RSP, which is if you had $500, you would have truly a dollar invested in each of the largest companies in the United States. So an equal weight, that means you end up with more value and a little bit smaller size companies down only 11.54%. So an outperformance there. And again, that's really just the issue of value versus growth this year. If we break down value versus growth a little bit farther, Again, if we look at the Russell 2000 um, IWM, which was down 21% for the year. Um, if you look at, like, if you if you drill down into that on the small cap and the in the mid cap size, the IJS, which is an ETF that that, that is the S and P small cap 600 value ETF, down only 11.4%. Um, if you look at uh, anything growth related, um, like the iShares Russell 2000 growth, it's down 27%. If you really want to look at and say, okay, let's look at the largest companies in America and look at say the Vanguard mega cap value ETF, MGV, it's only down 1.15%, whereas VUG Vanguard growth ETF is down 33. So the larger the company that you see, the more outperformance of value versus growth this year. And that's because tech was the, the, the worst performing sector, really. And so it makes sense. Now, I haven't even talked about the barn market yet. It, it's not as bad as it was, but the AGG, which is an ETF that tracks the U.S. aggregate bond index, that's the index that most bond managers you know, report against in terms of how are we doing versus the index, as of yesterday's close, down 12.78% is the total return. So that includes dividends or interest, essentially, the, from the bonds inside of that. Um, so really rough year, all in all. In fact, for stock market investors, the stock market's positive. Typically, if you look at you know any 20 to 50-year period, it's somewhere between positive 73 to 74% of the time. And the average return over the last 50 years has been above you know, 
11%. That's why I always say, if you look at the, at the stock market and you're, you're going throughout time, the stock market tends to average 10, 11%, but it's often, you know, three steps forward, two steps back type of a process. So a situation like this is very normal for stocks, whereas this has been one of the, if not the worst bond market that we've seen historically. It's been the toughest bond market since the 80s. So while for a a stock investor that's used to these declines that occur and they try to buy even more if they're smart and continue to reinvest their dividends, for a balanced investor, they're looking at one of the worst years they've had since 2008 where the stock market declined a heck of a lot more, but even bonds went up then. So you ended up with similar returns. If you look at a 60-40 mix of, I I keep using this fund in some of the podcasts, and this is not something I own or recommend. It's VBIAX, which is a Vanguard 60-40 US fund, 60% stocks in the US, 40% bonds. And of the stocks, you have US large, mid, and small in that fund. It's down 17.02% for the day or for the year rather, as of yesterday's close. So that kind of gives you an idea. And and this is why, I mean, there's years like this, why since 1999, I've preached on radio, if you're going into retirement, you need three years worth of portfolio draws and safe money because there are years when stocks and bonds go down together. And that's typically when you have an overvalued or a fully valued market. And all of a sudden we see inflation and interest rates are going to go up and that's going to slow down earnings. And it's also going to bring bonds down. When interest rates go up, the value of existing bonds go down. And that's what we've seen. So hopefully you've listened over the years. And and if that's the case, you're, you're fine. It doesn't matter. We're going to, you know, going to get through this. And now we're getting that most asset classes are looking pretty attractive for the long run. Now, you know, here's some of the things that we did in balanced portfolios at EP Wealth. We reduced fixed income and added things like commodities. We reduced emerging markets um, uh, for larger, much larger portfolios, $2 million and above. We added things like private lending, um, you know, direct real estate investing, and, and other things like that to help soften that blow a little bit. And, and uh, the issue is now is where are the valuations? What are things looking like? And what's interesting is, is everyone now is saying the same thing, which always tells me that something different is going to happen, where, hey, we're going to have an earnings recession in the first quarter, if not a mild recession. And then, you know, feds will stop raising rates and we'll be out of it and, and kind of off to the races again. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have any questions for the show, just shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com. If you go to chadburton.com, lots of downloadables. You can contact me, request a meeting, get some help with your financial planning, wealth management. We do it, do it all. Investments, estate planning, retirement planning, financial planning, tax team. We got it all at EPL, so check it out. So talking a little bit more about the markets, like I said, it's interesting that everyone's kind of saying the same thing, uh, You know, kind of an earnings recession and, and some tough numbers coming out in Q1 based on results of Q4 2022. And I mean, first of all, most inflation is coming down. There are things that are sticky. Um, There's a lot of sticky uh, wage inflation. I mean, if you look at you talk to any CPA firm, financial planning firm, plenty of jobs, not enough people. I mean, if you want to push your kid into something that 
um, has a huge demand for it. Personal financial planning degrees. Um, like my oldest son got one at Texas Tech. My second son's getting one at the University of Hawaii. It's, it's specific degrees for financial planning where they actually go through the certified financial planner coursework. There's also a shortage of things like bookkeepers um, out there, office managers, HRs, things like that. Uh, lots of jobs available, but wage inflation is, is, is sticky and that's going to affect some earnings. The supply chain, I think, is a little better than most people expected it would be at this point in time. But there's still, I mean, it's in our favorite restaurant last night and they're talking about how sourcing good steak and, and the prices um, have gone up and it, just a lot of different things affecting businesses. But this whole thing of, you know, hey, earnings down a little bit in the first quarter or two, uh, earnings recession, if not a mild recession, and then feds will stop raising rates and we'll get out of it. Everybody's kind of saying the same thing, which, you know, people said the same thing in 1999. The stock market's going to go up forever. People said the same thing in 2006. Real estate's going to go up forever. Um, so I always get very skeptical and figure that probably well, something a little bit different is going to happen. But you just keep investing. Um, if the, the thing that's important, because you don't want to try to time the market, as I've told you in many, many podcasts, it's a, a, a massive mistake. I've been doing this for over 28 years and trying to time the market is a joke. When the market dips and you're trying to build wealth, you buy even more. And going into retirement, though, you have to realize that stocks and bonds go down at the same time. So that's why you have to have the three years worth of portfolio draws and safe, safe money. And the great thing is now we can earn a return on safe money. You should be earning three and a half to 4% on your FDIC insured savings accounts. You've got uh, a lot of different online options that are out there to choose from. We use Flourish and Stone Capital. We have... Um, Things like, uh, uh, you know, Ally and Capital One 360 and Marcus, you can get either directly treasury.gov, you know, six, six month to, to one year and, and T-notes and T-bills that are above 4% now. So that's a good thing for retirees. Earnings growth for the fourth quarter of 2022, the estimated earnings decline for the S&P 500 is 2.8% according to FactSet on December 15th. So for Q4 2022, we'll start getting the earnings reports in January of 2023, right? If that is the actual decline for the quarter, it'll mark the first time that the S&P 500 reports a year-over-year earnings decline since the third quarter of 2020, which was down 5.7%. So that's expect that these, these earnings declines coming out in January. And if that's the case, where are we valuation-wise? According to facts at the four 12-month PE ratio, that's the price-to-earnings ratio for the S&P 500 is 17.3. Now, that, that PE ratio is below the five-year average of 18.5, which is on the high end, but above the 10-year average of 17.1. And when you go through a full recession, um, you know, a stock market that's reacting to a full recession, you're typically going to see PE ratios anywhere, you know, the bad times are like nine to 12 in 2008, 2009, but really on the, you know, 12 to 16 kind of range. Um, so it, I would just expect quite a bit of volatility in 2023, but that also means if you have a lot of cash on the sidelines, good time to dollar cost average in the first four to six months. 
And I will say, like I said before, dollar is coming down. The the China reopening is much needed. Now that could go, you know, kind of the wrong way, right? They're they're re- we going from full lockdown to opening even, you know, overseas travelers. It seems like, and so it could hit them really, really hard, worse than expected, and then they could reverse course. But that should, you know, more production should help the supply chain as well. So a lot of interesting things shaping up for 2023. Another thing that's really interesting that's shaping up right now is the Secure Act 2.0. Now, this thing has been passed by Congress already, so it's just waiting to be signed by Biden. I think he's got until December 30th to get this done. Now, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad in this. It, it really didn't do a lot for people that can't afford to save anything, right? Let me tell you a couple of things that Secure Act 2.2 is going to do, and it's there's... A lot of this stuff doesn't fully kick in until 2024. Um, And there is a lot of good, though, for people, you know, in their 70s for required minimum distributions, which I'll talk about. Now, you know, some of the things I've read, a critical controversial element of this uh, Retirement Secure Act 2.0, employers can mandate that all existing 401ks automatically enroll new workers starting at a minimum 3% contribution and increase that annually at least to at least 10%, but no more than 15%. So as people are hired, they're going to be automatically enrolled in 401ks at 3% and it'll increase it annually. So first year, 3%, next year, 4%. So lots of options for starter 401ks that and 100% tax credits for companies to create a new workplace retirement plan, that's tax credit. So a $5,000 tax deduction is worth much less than a $5,000 tax credit, which is literally a dollar for dollar. So that could add over 19 million new American workers into the ability to save for retirement. A savers match program that would incentivize retirement savings by providing a 50% matching contribution up to $2,000 in retirement savings annually for lower and uh, middle income Americans. Over 108 million Americans will be eligible for the savers match. It'll be directly deposited into their account. Now I'm reading these and a lot of this stuff, you know, we have to go through still and figure this all out. Like who's making this match? Is this literally a government match going into the plan? And who's paying for it if the government's increasing their debt so much? And again, much of this is a year out. Employers will be able to match emergency savings in a 401k plan. So if you put in, I think it's up to, you could save up to $2,500 if you're earning $150,000 or below, and your employer can match that. And then you can take certain types of withdrawals, which I'll talk about after the break without necessarily paying a penalty now take a quick break we'll be right back if you have a money question for the show chat at chatburton.com you're listening to new focus on wealth on am 1220 kdow welcome back into the show i'm your host chad burton certified financial planner going over what's in this secure 2.0 act um, this first secure act did some changes to required minimum distributions pushed it from 70 and a half to age 72 and this is the second version of this. It's already passed Congress. Usually I don't talk about a bill unless it's, you know, at least passed Congress and is going to be signed by the president. 
looking like by December 30th. And so there's all sorts of things going on with retirement savings and 401ks and IRAs. So again, on this one, employers will be able to match emergency savings. The match should be in form of a retirement account contribution. And employees that are earning under 150 grand starting in 2023 qualify for these accounts where you can save up to $2,500 in the account and get some sort of a match. Um, uh, It's kind of interesting to see how plans are going to adopt to this to actually get this done in 2023 at all. I doubt it, but... So you're probably going to see most of this all in 2024. But this legislation makes it easier for workers to withdraw from from their retirement accounts penalty-free in the case of a personal or family emergency like a terminal illness or natural disaster. One emergency distribution up to $1,000 will be permitted each year starting in 2024. If a taxpayer doesn't repay that in three years, they can't take another distribution during that time. So I don't know if that does more enticing than, than anything else. Here's a big one. You're going to see a big boost in 529 plan contributions because what is a 529 plan? It allows a person to save for a kid's college in essentially an account that is invested in stocks and bonds and cash, but it grows tax-free as long as it's used for education. 529 plans. And then some states like Oregon have state deductions as well. Now, as our certified financial planner practitioners typically plan for a kid's college, um, we target contribution rates that typically will have enough in the 529 plan to fund about 75 to 80% of the projected college costs. And our financial plan software has a database of all of the colleges in the country and tuition books, room and board, and then we inflate those costs going forward in a financial plan and then solve for how much should we do on a monthly or annual contribution or one-time contribution to have that 80% of that cost funded. Because why? Well, you could be um, like my daughter. Ava has applied for several colleges um, and she's a senior in high school. And so it's kind of funny because sometimes you'll hear Ava's intro. And I think she was like six years old when she did that for me on the bring your kids to work day, but she's now 18 and going off to college soon. And uh, for example, University of Oregon gave her a scholarship to basically offset the out-of-state tuition. And so a lot, I see that happen all of the time. In fact, my son that went to Texas Tech got a scholarship there. And as soon as he got a scholarship at Texas Tech, this is a little known thing that a lot of people, Texas gives you in-state tuition from day one or for that one. And I think the scholarship that triggered that was quite small in, in terms of the rest of his package that he received. So um, that's why you don't want to, you know, typically if you have money left over in a 529 plan, the only option was to eventually change the beneficiary to a different kid or grandchild or to yourself or your spouse to use it to go back and get a, you know, second degree or a master's or a PhD or something. But in this act starting in 2024, it allows beneficiaries of 529 accounts to roll over up to $35,000 into a Roth IRA as long as it's been open for at least 15 years. This is really cool. This shows me that, hey, for my youngest, I'll likely overfund that 529 plan and target having a surplus in the account so that my youngest, Ellison, will have extra money in this to, to get her off and running in a, in a Roth IRA. 
I get those questions quite a bit. How do I have, you know, set up a Roth IRA for my, uh, you know, six-year-old? I'm like, okay, you could do all the, there, there is ways to do that. But I mean, it's like, okay, how do you justify the, the, the earned wages for that age? But anyway, do a whole show on that. Now, currently those over 50 can invest an additional 7,500 in their 401k or 403b. It's a catch-up contribution. That amount is going to increase to 10 grand starting in 2025 for those age 60 to 63. Isn't that crazy? Pretty cool, huh? Additionally, starting in 2024, the IRA catch-up limit will be increased for inflation each year. So right now, if you're 50 or older, you can put an extra $1,000 into an IRA or Roth if you're eligible. That's going to start increasing inflation. Um. The other really good thing is that they're going to start. So right now, when people put money into a 401k, you can choose the money to go into the pre-tax bucket, which gives you an immediate tax savings, or into the Roth 401k, which you don't get an immediate tax savings, but the account grows tax-free forever. You never pay any taxes on it. The employer contribution has always gone into the pre-tax bucket. And now the matching contributions will be able to go into the Roth bucket of the 401k. That is huge, especially for younger workers where, you know, when you're 50 years old and at a high bracket, it's always like, well, most of your contributions, if you're behind on retirement, should go into the pre-tax bucket because you're going to be at a lower bracket in retirement. Whereas if your kid's out of college and, you know, first starting out and they're at the, 10, 12, you know, up to even 22% bracket, they should be funding the Roth 401k. And now the match will go into the Roth as well after 2024. That's really great. Now, a lot of this stuff now, this is this part is for our age 70 plus listeners. All right. So a lot of this stuff now has to affect what's called the required minimum distribution. And the required minimum distribution is that the IRS says is if you are 72 years old, you have to start taking money out of your IRAs, 403Bs, 457s, all of that pre-tax stuff. You have to start taking money out. Now, in the past, if you forgot to do it, the penalty was 50%. So if you, based on your age and the value of your account, you were supposed to take out 10 grand and you forgot, the penalty is five grand and you still have to take it out and pay the taxes. But the penalty drops from 50% to 25%. And in addition, the penalty will drop down to 10% if you take the necessary RMD by the end of the second year following the year it was due. That was a, the penalty is too steep. And there's sometimes when people forget, obviously, there could be an age issue and you know memory or just not knowing. Um, so that's an interesting thing. Also, the age of required minimum distributions beginning in 2023 is now 73. And by 2033, it creeps up to 75. So the age is going up and up. And this is going to be really interesting to, I mean, because we have, you know, lists of clients that, okay, you're turning 72 next year. We're going to start your required minimum distributions. And, and now that's changing. Now, again, not until 2024 is this happening, but, but right now, if you're, if you have a, a 401k and you're retired, right? Because if you're still working beyond your required distribution age and you have a 401k, if you're still working and you're not an owner of the company, you can delay your requirement of distributions until you finally retire. 
But once you retire, if your money's still sitting there in your 401k, you have to take required minimum distributions for your 401k and for the Roth 401k that you have. And you could always get around that by rolling your Roth 401k into a Roth IRA. Roth IRAs do not have required minimum distributions. And the Secure 2.0 Act makes it so that Roth 401ks also do not have a required minimum distribution for the account owner. You still have to take it, you know, once you die and you leave the money to somebody else, then they have to take it. And then there's a bunch of stuff on annuities and qualified lifetime, these QLACs that are now available in 401ks that we're still trying to digest. There was a lot of lobbying in the insurance and brokerage industry world for this act that I think is a little concerning on the use of annuity contracts in 401ks. There are a couple of good annuities out there. Right. I, I know some non annuities that do not pay anybody a commission that, you know, have five year guarantees of 5% right now, or another bucket inside it that says, okay, as long as the SP 500 is above zero, you get a return of somewhere around 5%. If it's below zero, you just get zero that year. So there's some decent options for safe money, but they're no load or non commission based products. 99% annuities are garbage. They're smoke and mirrors in terms of what they offer the person. And it's a way for insurance companies to make money. So there's a bunch of stuff on annuities that I'm not going to get into yet because I haven't had time to study it. Our whole team at EP Wealth is, is going to be digging into the Secure Act and we'll probably do a webinar for everybody to really dig into this stuff. Now, in the two minutes that we have left to, to talk about this... Um, there is the this, this is some really good stuff. Okay, so right now, starting at age seventy and a half, you can give up to one hundred grand a year directly to charity out of your IRA accounts, known as a qualified charitable distribution. For most people, this is unless you have a highly a huge amount of a single stock situation that you're trying to get rid of. For most people over seventy and a half, this is the best way to give to charity is directly out of your IRA up to hundred grand a year. And that's going to start being adjusted upwards for inflation. So that's around now for forever. And it's going to start going up, which is great. The other really cool thing, because I love charitable planning and I love donor advised funds, charitable remainder trust. It's, it's the favorite type of planning that I do. There's going to be a one-time qualified charitable distribution up to 50 grand to charities allowed through certain charitable remainder annuity trusts, charitable remainder unit trusts, or charitable gift annuities. That's going to be really cool for those that are charitably inclined and uh, but want to maintain a little bit more control over it and, and possibly get some income. So some very cool things happening under the Secure 2.0 Act, especially for those over 60 and especially for those over 70 years old. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. I want to go through some of these issues that uh, some hot topics have been lately. First of all, um, Medicare premium. So when you turn 65, uh, unless you're on a group covered plan, you get Medicare Part A for free. Medicare Part B, you have to pay for. And if you're taking social security already, then it comes out of your social security check. Typically, you know, a lot of people these days are waiting until 70 to take social security. So you pay for it directly. Now for the, the, the Medicare part B 2023 standard monthly premium is $164 and 90 cents. But if you make a certain amount of money, 
your your irma your it, that's what it's called i r m a a it can increase your part b monthly premiums by as much as $395.60 for medicare part b and part d by as much as $76.40 and it's all based on your modified adjusted gross income so you essentially take your agi and add back in your tax free bond income for example um so there is ways to fight this. So essentially, and if, if you're going to pay this in 2023, it's because Social Security is looking at your tax return two years before and saying, oh, this person's income got went way up. And so there is a form SSA-44 that you can go to ssa.gov and you can find these forms. And you can try to appeal it if there's a certain life event that occurred. And that could be the death of a spouse, a marriage, a divorce or annulment, involuntary loss of an income producing property due to a disaster, disease, fraud, or loss loss of a pension, among other things. So if uh, you had an income producing asset and you had no right in, you had no ability to say otherwise, and the asset was sold and you lost that income. And because that asset was sold that year, let's say in 2021, you had a large capital gain, you might be able to fight that. All right. It takes a while though. You got to fill out a form. Sometimes you can make a, a appointment at a local office, but there are ways to fight it. You have to realize that what happens in 2022, you're not going to get a letter regarding it until your 2024 premiums come along. If you've done anything from an IRA to a Roth conversion, that increases your modified adjusted gross income, and that can make you pay more in Medicare premiums. So when you're analyzing this, because 2022, great year to convert from an IRA to a Roth, depending on your tax brackets. 2023, probably the same thing, as the market's still low compared to where it was at the beginning of the year. So keep the IRMA, your Medicare premiums, in mind. If you're 63 years old in 2022 or 2023 and you do a large IRA to Roth conversion because you're retired at a lower bracket, that could affect your Medicare premiums two years later. So keep that in mind and find out um, this form SSA-44 to see if you can, if there's anything that's happened to you that you can fight it. The other thing I want to talk about is HSA accounts have become more and more popular. There's even covered California plans that are HSA accounts where they're higher deductible plans which allows you to fund a super-duper Roth IRA called an HSA, health savings account. And that's where you put the money in, you get a tax deduction, and then the money grows totally tax-free and, and you can invest it. Um, you know, Fidelity has HSA accounts, for example. You can invest the money, it grows tax-free, and you never pay taxes on it as long as it's used for medical expenses. You can fund these up through age 64. Once you turn 65, you're not eligible. Um, and people make that mistake all the time where they still fund it at 65. Um, so be aware of that. And look, if you're going to use these accounts, the best way to do this, the only way you should bother doing this, in my opinion, is, you know, make sure that you know the, the out-of-pocket costs, because typically there's a lot more upfront out-of-pocket costs. Um, and you got to look at, okay, what's the worst case scenario for my family? And can you afford that? But it really, to, in my opinion, only works is that if you can fund the HSA and leave the money alone invested in, a, you know, either a 
you know, aggressive or a balanced portfolio and not touch it for many years. In other words, you can afford to fund the HSA and you can afford to fund the out-of-pocket medical expenses because your cash flow is good. And that way you can create a large, essentially healthcare Roth account so that when you start taking money out at 65, you can use it to pay for your Medicare Part B expenses and all the other miscellaneous medical costs that you have in retirement. That's the best way to use that, in my opinion. And a lot of times people look at it, especially if you're you know, empty nesters, your kids are off, they're on their own, you don't go to the doctor much, you're trying to save extra for retirement. What a great way to do it. Now, in the limited amount of time we have left, let's talk about some of the things that you really need to do coming up here in January 2023. Of course, there's the typical stuff. If you have anything in the flexible spending account for healthcare, there's a certain amount of time that you need to know about to, to spend that money. Um, I would probably get your uh, Roth IRAs or your backdoor Roth IRAs funded early if we do have a pullback in January in, in early 2023. But the biggest thing is resetting your 401k contributions and making sure that, that they're proper percentage of your salary and your bonuses and using a spreadsheet to do that so they could figure out what's the best way to do this, especially for those of you doing a mega Roth 401k. That's for people that a lot of employers offer it, whether it's, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, well, actually, I can't remember if LinkedIn does it, but uh, Apple, um, Intuit. I, mean, I could start naming off companies that allow you to put in money after tax above your deferral and then convert that immediately into the Roth 401k bucket. That's that's the mega Roth 401k. But the percentages of how you're deferring into those things have to change in 2023 because the amount that you can defer either into a pre-tax bucket or a Roth bucket goes up by two grand to 22,500. And the catch-up contribution in 2023 goes from 6,500 to 7,500. So that means people above the age of 50 or above by the end of the year can contribute 30 grand to their 401k. So the percentages that you start with in January likely need to be altered. I also want you to get you to know your marginal bracket so you can choose the proper mix between 401k pre-tax and 401k Roth. Do you have any major expenses to plan for? If you do, that money should probably be out of the stock and bond market and in some sort of a you know FDIC insured account ready to pay for it. And get your cash earning interest, whether it's these FDIC insured online banks that I talk about or opening a treasurydirect.gov account where you can buy you know, 26-week, 52-week uh, T-bills, t T-notes, things like that. Get your cash earning some interest because you deserve it. And a lot of the brick and mortar banks aren't paying much at all. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find the podcast and ways to contact me for a meeting at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Happy New Year, everyone. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.